Cardiac surgery is one of just a few medical specialties where before and after imaging is not yet standard. As surprising as this may seem, the effect on procedural outcomes is not surprising. Current strategies for intraoperative graft assessment, for example, are not detecting all of the defects in the grafts we implant. How can we change this practice, and how can an innovative hybrid cath lab turned operating room help us do this? You are listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Heart Health. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. And our guest is Dr. John Byrne, Professor and Chair of Cardiac Surgery at Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. Dr. Byrne is the senior author of an article published in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology examining the role of CT angiography in coronary bypass procedures. Welcome, Dr. Byrne. Thank you very much for inviting me. Dr. Byrne, tell us about this research and why is it so important? Well, you know, it has sort of two major themes, this paper, and they're very simple ideas. The first theme or idea is the idea of measuring what you do keeping score, or in this case, using intraoperative imaging to assess the quality of the grafts we do during coronary artery bypass surgery. Now, why is that important? Well, currently, in most vast majority of operating rooms today, graft assessment is somewhat crude. How do you assess the grafts intraoperatively? Visual inspection. We also use handheld Doppler devices. Sometimes we use flow measurements. But I think most of the time, it's using visual inspection and palpation. Most surgeons, most of the time, probably use just those two. And how accurate has that been? Well, it's been accurate for years and years because most of the time surgery is successful. But as that which comes to surgery becomes higher risk and more complex than ever, and I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, more sophisticated or more granular method to measure graft quality is going to be necessary, such as imaging. In other words, as that which comes to surgery gets more complex and more difficult, imaging is going to matter. Now, how do you technically do that with the patient on the operating table? Well, we have this so-called hybrid cath lab OR. In my view, it should be called a 21st century common sense OR, not a hybrid. A hybrid OR sounds like it's from outer space, but it's really just a common sense OR. In fact, this idea could have been done 25 years ago. The technology is old. We're combining 25-year-old technology with 30-year-old technology. But why hasn't it been done? Well, because I think the political barriers, the logistical barriers... And quite frankly, I think people just didn't think it was necessary. And finally, there's a perceived need to do this now. And so it could have been done years and years ago, but there were certain barriers. But we've been able to do it now because we have a C-arm camera, a ceiling-mounted C-arm camera of sufficient quality and resolution to be able to do not only imaging, but percutaneous coronary interventions like stents and angioplasty. Now, why is there a perceived need to do this? I think there's a perceived need to do various hybrid procedures. So that's the second major theme of this paper. So the first theme was intraoperative imaging, and the second theme was what I call combining the toolboxes. So you have the tools of the interventional cardiologist, which belong in the cath lab, and the tools of the surgeon, which belong in the operating room. And so we're mixing the tool bags. So you have stents and various angioplasty devices on the one hand, and then the regular surgery on the other. And so since we all take care of the same patient population, you know, we're all interventional cardiologists with different tools. We're all interventional proceduralists, cardiovascular proceduralists with different tools. And so from time to time, we need stents at our disposal. 
from time to time, they need surgery at their disposal. But to do that, you have to bring the patient from the operating suite to the cath lab or the cath lab to the operating suite. Now we put this all together in one suite. What kind of defects have you seen? In the paper, we reported about a 12% incidence of angiographic findings. About maybe 9% of them were felt to require surgical revision or percutaneous intervention. And the majority, though, were in the conduit. I thought when I first had this idea and tried to look at this, I thought we'd find them in the anastomosis. But the most of the time, they're in the conduit. They're in the vein graft or the, the body of the lemograft, which was somewhat surprising. And you would repair it right then and there? We'd repair it right there on the spot, yeah. When we found the defect, we'd repair it. So the idea is that the patient leaves the operating room with the most complete and ideal procedural result possible. How often have you found defects that were significant? Well, about 9% of the time. So 9% of grafts had some sort of defect that we made a judgment to repair. Now, it may be true that we could have left it alone, and I acknowledge that, you know, that maybe there were some, quote, defects that we could have just as well left alone. But we made a judgment, you know, based on what we thought was in the best interest of the patient at the time, to repair those. In those abnormalities that you found, with visual inspection and Doppler and palpation, did you suspect that there would be a problem? No, 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 not at all. Gosh. I mean, we were surprised. So often, we'd be looking at the heart, looking at the echo, looking at the Doppler, looking at all these things that we normally use would not detect it, and only the angiography detected the defect. We have sort of a saying in the, down there in the hybrid OR, if it weren't for that darn angiogram, we'd be home, you know, because we would never have detected it. We would never have detected it using the tools that we typically use in a non-image-capable operating room. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. John Byrne, Professor and Chair of Cardiac Surgery at Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. We're discussing the use of routine angiography to detect graft defects in bypass surgery. Doctor, this makes a, a lot of sense. How is it accepted by other cardiac surgeons? Gosh, it's a very simple idea, and most people get it. If you ask a truck driver, he'll get it. You ask my mom, she gets it. I mean, <laughs> this is a very simple idea, measuring what you do and checking your work before you wrap things up and close the patient. That would make sense, right? Like if you put in a central line, you get an x-ray before you use it. If you set a bone, you get an x-ray before you put on the cast. The simplest reconstructive procedure in life we always get an x-ray to make sure that what we did was as good as we can do it and it's ideal before we wrap up and close and go home. But in cardiac surgery, that has not been the case. Well, why hasn't it been the case when we did have the technology a number of years ago? Well, again, I think it's the logistical challenges, the political barriers, the sense that most cardiac surgeons are pretty darn good surgeons and you know my results are pretty good and thank you very much. Now tell me, what does this hybrid catheterization operating room look like physically? Well, there's a, an image in the paper, in the Jack paper, that shows the hybrid OR. It's a regular operating room, but with a ceiling-mounted C-arm at the head of the bed beyond the anesthesiologists that is able to be brought in by using remote control and takes about 10 minutes to bring the camera in and take a picture. And when exactly during the procedure do you do this? After the end of the coronary bypass, while we're wrapping things up, often with the chest open, but sometimes with the chest closed. Now, the problem is if you have the chest closed and you need to go back and revise something, then you have to reopen the chest. So we try to do it with the chest open. 
Now, in the room, you obviously have your surgical team and the anesthesiologists and your nurses. Do you also have the cardiologists there and the radiologists? Well, the cardiologist comes in to do the angiogram and certainly comes in to do any percutaneous intervention. But all our surgeons are being taught on angiographic techniques. So the surgeons will eventually do this by themselves. And of note, the hybrid OR is in the cath lab. It's in the cath lab. It's not in the operating room. How can the operating room be in the, in the cath lab? Well, we had the room approved by the state of Tennessee to be an operating room. So it's an operating room. It has all the airflow characteristics and sterile technique and traffic patterns consistent with an operating room. Are there any other operating rooms like this in the United States? There are a few other hybrid ORs, mostly in operating room suites, mostly doing endovascular work, like aortic stenting and large vessel endovascular work. I think we have a fairly unique experience with regard to the coronary work that we've been doing. Now, play the devil's advocate. What do some of your colleagues, perhaps, in other institutions say about this? What would be their reason not to do this? I think their main question is why. I haven't had any problems with my graphs, and I don't have any um, concern. Why do I need to do that? My response to that is, yeah, most of the time your graphs are good. I'll give you a number of analogies, very simple analogies. Seatbelts. I've been wearing a seatbelt every day for 30 years. I've never once needed my seatbelt. I've driven hundreds of thousands, if not millions of miles. I've never once needed my seatbelt, but I might need my seatbelt going home tonight. You take the best near another analogy. So imaging is like seatbelts. Another analogy, golf. PGA Tour players are amazingly great golfers. So surgeons are like PGA Tour players. We have our tour card. Just as PGA Tour players are amazingly great golfers, I mean amazingly phenomenal athletes, so also cardiac surgeons are really, really good surgeons. But go back to golf. You know, every once in a while, Tiger Woods can miss a fairway. Yes. And every once in a while, he might miss a two-foot putt. Not often, but in golf, they keep score. Sort of like, you know, going out and playing golf and not keeping score and saying, well, I shot a 72. On the tour, they keep score. So what I'm talking about is counting every stroke. Now, you mentioned before that not all of the abnormalities you might find on the imaging are clinically significant. Yeah, I think they're often not clinically significant at the time of surgery, but you know by just looking at the angiogram that that graft is going to go down. And we know that 30% of vein grafts fail at one year. This is data from a large randomized study in JAMA published in 2005. So we know from the literature that 30% of vein grafts and about 5 to 8% of lemographs fail at one year. Our hypothesis is that the reason they fail is in part due to things that can be corrected at the time of surgery. And so our follow-up study for this paper will be a one-and-a-half-year follow-up to see if imaging matters in the operating room. If by correcting these defects at the time of surgery, we drop that 30% to single digits or drop the 5 or 8% in lemas to zero. Now, in general surgery, we have an adage which when you were in your general surgical training before you went into cardiac surgery, I'm sure you remember that the enemy of good is perfection. Does that apply at all here? Well, I think that's a legitimate potential criticism, sure. I mean, that's, you know, that's, I think that's one of the criticisms people will say. Listen, I, you know, maybe catheters will cause complications. You know, you try to image, in the process of imaging your graphs, you damage the graphs. Or in the process of imaging the graphs, you find something that you treated that you should not have treated. And I think that's a legitimate potential criticism. And we acknowledge that, and we should look into that and determine whether that's real. How do the cardiologists feel about this? 
I think it's long overdue. Have they been ones who have been proponents of this for many years? I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think quite frankly, most cardiologists don't really know what we do in the operating room. I think most physicians don't know what we do in the operating room. I would venture to guess that most physicians and even cardiologists have no idea how we assess graphs intraoperatively. And certainly no patients do. I mean, I bet you take some really smart people out there, say President Clinton, pretty smart, <laughs> pretty smart guy, right? Uh-huh. Probably, I, I bet President Clinton has no idea how they assessed his graphs in the operating room. I mean, he had a superb team, you know, great, great, excellent, superb surgeons, great team. So, but even President Clinton's graphs, we have no idea how they look. Now, do you think that this approach of combining the interventional cardiologist and the cardiac surgeons in, in this lab that you developed, an operating room you developed, do you think that this will become the standard of care in the future? Well, that's what we think. I mean, that's what we said in the paper. I mean, again, as that which comes to surgery gets more complex and it's going to get worse, imaging is going to matter. I could be wrong, you know. As I say, you know, listen, I, I drank the Kool-Aid, but, you know, I made the Kool-Aid, you know, so no, I could be wrong, but... Um, I think intraoperative measurements of graft quality will, will become standard. I think, you know, whether it's angiography or some other method, and especially as we try to do big operations through small incisions, as we try to do a lemur to the LAD through a small incision, imaging is going to matter. Just like when we started mitral valve repair, right? Mitral valve repair, mitral valve replacement was one thing. That's fine. And so you didn't need TE echo, typically. And, in fact, one of my professors back at the Brigham, Dr. Collins, he had a sterile stethoscope where he would listen, you know, for a murmur after a mitral valve repair. Well, then came along TE echo. Now, TE echo is the standard of care for mitral valve repair. No surgeon, no cardiac surgeon would ever imagine a world without TE echo, right? You would not do a mitral valve repair without TE echo. No way. You certainly would never deploy a stent, without a completion image. So I think imaging is going to be like seatbelts. You know, when I was a kid, cars didn't have seatbelts. They just threw us in the back of the station wagon. Here in Tennessee, they throw you in the back of the truck. (laughs) Now you could not imagine bringing your kid to Kroger's without a child car seat. You'd probably get arrested. I want to thank our guest, Dr. John Byrne. We've been discussing the use of routine angiography to detect graft defects in bypass surgery. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.